You are listening to the podcast of Journey Church Tampa. In these episodes, we will be digging deeper into topics in a format that is accessible and engaging. Thank you for listening. Yeah, so I am Corey. And I'm Michael. And basically what we wanted to do in these conversations is that uh, I've, I've noticed so many times that we get into these kinds of conversations and they're kind of like these, these offline conversations. Like when we, when we're doing church or we're out, you know, at an event or different things, that's one type of uh, conversation that we're able to have with large amounts of people. But then uh, we'll get on the phone afterward or uh, just catch up for coffee or whatever it might be. And, uh, and there's just these moments where the conversation just takes this this really natural turn. And there's been a lot of those happening in this season. And so what I wanted to do and what, what you wanted to do, I know, is to get those conversations recorded uh, in some format and get them out to our people. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate, you know, just bringing, bringing this up because I think it's a great idea. And I, I think, uh, well, at least I'm hoping that uh, it's going to be beneficial for you know, other people, um, at least to be able to hear thoughts that are a lot, they're not, you know, they're not unscripted. We thought they're in pray through, but, uh, maybe a little bit more just relaxed and natural, just two guys having a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those conversations that we've been having, especially in this season uh, of isolation and live stream church and all of these different ways that we've had to, uh, kind of adapt to present uh, church for our people. One of those conversations that, that I've noticed and that we've talked about a few times is one of the key reasons we wanted to, to start here. But basically that is that our church in this season seems to be uh, engaging in a way that is unlike other churches of our size. Uh, it's even unlike churches that are uh, beyond our size. Uh, I personally have friends who work in other uh, ministries and other churches, and I'm noticing that churches that are, are larger and um, would be considered to quote unquote have more influence in certain ways are struggling and striving and reaching to have engagement uh, with their live streams, with their content, um, with community during the season. They're fighting tooth and nail to have that happen. And um, they're getting about the same engagement as we are uh, as a church who is, who is a little bit smaller than theirs and sometimes even half the size of theirs. And yet our engagement is up. We're actually reaching more people further out um, we've been talking a lot about what that looks like, and I'd love for you to just share um, how you you uh, see that and how you see how we got here. Because I know that it wasn't just, uh, you know, it's not just that we're throwing together the best live stream on the internet. It's that we have a church that's been built over years uh, to lean a particular way, and I'd love for you to talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, it, when you asked me that question, I guess it was probably about two weeks ago, I was driving home from uh, the service. I was just kind of thinking a little bit more about it. And I remember um, driving, I think it was to my office for a meeting. It was back when I, I took a lot of meetings. Like I used to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like back-to-back meetings, like 10 to 12-hour days, mostly counseling appointments, marriage counseling appointments and stuff. And I think I was out... Um, getting something to eat, headed back to the church. And uh, I was by the, the newly built comp, uh, apartment complex there on Balm Riverview. And I just really felt like the Lord, I guess it was about 2010, maybe 2009, 10, somewhere in there. And um, 
we've been trying to do some things for about three or four years and they just weren't catching on. Um, we'd try to model a little bit of the mega church type, type field church. It just it wasn't working. And yeah, I just really felt like the Holy spirit just tell me like, you need to rethink church and, and the mm. idea of church. And the best place to start there is to, to go back to the beginning, to the early church. And early church was not perfect by no means. I mean, I think a lot of people romanticize it, but um, I was just thinking about um, what it would look like to build a different church, um, the mm. different type of church. And instead of trying to go really wide, what would it look like if we cultivated depth? And yeah. so um, we shifted kind of into the parish model. We planted our first uh, parish at that point. I really started discipling, spending a lot of time with our team, uh, working with them, um, challenging them, calling them to hard things. Um, we, I started to seek out different mentors and people of that magnitude that really was challenging me. Um, and last night we had a kind of a group me conversation that was going on in all church. And someone had mentioned the fact that, um, you know, we, we can't give what we don't have. Um, and, mm. and, and I just realized at that point I just didn't have it. And so around that same time, I, I kind of got introduced into the collective with those guys. And, you know, one thing led to another. And the next thing, you know, I just wanted to, to go deep and really to challenge our church to something deeper, hold them to a higher standard of Christianity um, than what we were kind of seeing in the Western American church. And that's paid huge dividends over the years because especially now that we're in this pandemic, um, yeah, you know, you and I were talking about this, but you know, you don't know how weak you are, you know, until you try to pick up a, a 300 pound, um, you know, barbell. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you try to bench press it, it's just, you know, it's impossible to do it, but, um, you know, unless you've prepared for it, but when we get into seasons like this, this is when you see the strength of our church, the strength mm -hmm. of our community, the times that we fought, the times that there's been disunity, the times that we've looked at leaders and held them accountable for things and held each other accountable for things. You see that strength show up. And I think that's what's going on. I think the second thing is um, we're not putting a Band-Aid over the issues that's going yeah. on. We're actually talking about people struggling, the, the lamenting. That's not a Palm Sunday sermon. You just don't preach lamenting on Palm Sunday, but yeah, that's what we did. Um, and I think those are those are things that are resonating with people because we're willing to talk about something that's messy. We're not trying to gloss it over. I think that we're generally trying to answer questions that people have. Um, and I think that's probably one of the, the biggest strengths of our church. Yeah. You know, you mentioned not putting a Band-Aid on the issue, and that's, that's so key because I feel like that's a trademark that I've noticed about our church for a long time. Um, you know, obviously this is a, a, a big season and a big issue uh, to not put a bandage over it, but that's been, that's been something continual that, that I've seen just over the years. When things come up, they're addressed. When seasons are walked through, they're hard. They're, they're walked through and, and they're walked through well. They're not hidden, they're not pushed away, and they're not trivialized. Uh, so with, with such a, uh, a large-scale thing to watch uh, you lead our church in this way has been really freeing. And I know I've heard that comment from people in the past where other people have just said to me, you know, privately and even some publicly, I remember during a members meeting during downtown, someone standing up and saying, I just want to share, I've never seen church done like this before. You guys talk about things and you walk through things. So with that, um, what, what kinds of things can we expect 
um, as we start to see things moving uh, deeper into this issue and then even beyond this issue, whether it be through isolation or uh, how community is maintained and formed, how can our church um, develop rhythms through that? How can we see what God's doing in our own selves and in others as well? Well, the thing, the thing is that's really that we're facing right now as a church, I mean, the pandemic is kind of overshadowing everything, but there, there's a, a larger thing that's looming in our church right now, and it's a conversation between folks that are really hungry. Like, I've had conversations with people that are like, I really want to see God move. I want to see God move. I don't care if I get the credit. I don't care. I just don't want to be left behind. I just want to be engaged with it. Yeah. And then there's, like, there always is, there's, you know, the other half, of the church or a quarter or however many that that would be that um, are holding on for dear life, having the same conversations that they've been having for a long time. And you, you, you want, and you pray and you go, please like let this stuff go so you can go to the next level. Like the stuff that's tripping you up and the stuff that's causing you to constantly put yourself into a prison or a box. And it, I feel like, um, you know, sometimes pastorally, you're just like, come on, let's go, let's go. You know, you want to grab them and, and run with them because your, your heart, you know, your heart is for them. And so there's this tension that that's creating and you're seeing any relationships because, you know, relationships are, are, are being tested in this because they're like, I don't want to sit around and just talk about the same stuff we used to talk about. Or yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to have this, this superficiality to my life any longer. And so, the, we were we were facing that issue um, as a church coming into the pandemic. Um, our leadership team was more unified than it ever has been. Um, God was doing a lot of really great work, but you're seeing these tensions and frictions that are popping up between people um, in different ways, and that has nothing to do with us. Like we're not putting that pressure or calling people to account or putting out ultimatums or anything like that. Yeah. We're just going about doing our, our, our work, and that's where the Holy Spirit is coming in and going, no, I love you enough. Um, I don't want you to ever you know, stay the same. I, I accept you as you are, but I, I don't want you to stay the same. I want to, I want to see change. So yeah. I think this pandemic coming in has exasperated cer- certain situations that were already there. Like a lot of people are talking about issues in marriage or prayer life or solitude or thought life or finances, um, the pan, uh, pandemic has only exasperated those issues. Now, mm. by, by all means, like there are some, some issues that the pandemic has created for sure. Like I, I, I believe that from heart, it's added extra stress, anxiety. I think some people um, have lost their jobs. And as a result of that, that is putting on financial pressure. But there are other people that came into this with these issues. And so now the, the pandemic is really forcing them to take a turn and go, okay, I, I have to make a decision on mm. what I'm going to do here. And I'm very thankful because, like I said, we've been praying First Peter 5 over our church and believing that God is going to confirm and establish, um, and that he's going to bring us through that. And I think there's going to be a deep strengthening. But the thing that I'm seeing the most is that there is a group of people in our church that are hungry, and they're hungry for more. And they're wanting God to see, uh, you know, want to see God move in our city. I'm thankful for that. That excites me for when this is over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you mentioned the other day um, a little bit about what you were just saying about how 
the pandemic in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, it has shifted realities on the outside for a lot of people. But what it, one of the things it's causing people to do is be confronted with their internal realities and that people have two vastly different reactions to that. They either um, wrap themselves up in in the worry that's around them about what's going on and, and which are real worries. I mean, there are concerns and there are different reasons for those things to come up in this season. But uh, they're either getting kind of fixated on those things or they're actually starting to do the work. Uh, what would you say to somebody who, who, you know, doesn't know which one of those camps they're in or they clearly know which camp they're in and they really want to pivot and shift and say, like, I, I want to do the work that is required to see the Lord do some things in my life? and Or someone who's frustrated uh, in this situation saying, like, how come I'm not seeing God move in this situation? Uh, can you speak a little bit more about that? Well, yeah. I mean, if you go through Scripture and you study any any man or woman of God that was used by Him um, in any significant manner, there was always a season of isolation that they went through. Mm. Um, there was always a, a desert, a dark night that uh, they went through. You know, whether it was Paul in isolation for years after his conversion, David, you know, watching his father's sheep, and then and then even further isolation, deeper isolation, running from Saul. Uh, you look at Moses, 40 years taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, Jacob. I mean, there there are time and time again throughout Scripture um, that God uses men and women in, in deep isolation. The challenge with that is in our culture right now, we have access, immediate access to where we can be out of isolation and on and have a digital presence in, in a moment, just a, a click of a button. Yeah, and so that that forces us from doing that hard because it takes humility to be able to say I care more about what God's doing on the inside of me than I do about my public perception or what people mm. feel about me out there right now. And the reason why a lot of people don't want to go into isolation, and I'm not talking about isolation in the sense of their homes or social distancing, physical distancing. I'm talking about the spiritual, you know, force that God uses, the Holy Spirit uses of isolation that season is because it takes humility to do that. Like you, you disappear um, and you're gone. And people think, well, if I'm gone, I'm going to be out of sight, out of mind. No one's going to think about me. Everybody's going to forget about me. And that's really not the truth because God hasn't forgotten you. Um, when you decide to go into that spiritual season of isolation or when you submit yourself to that season of spiritual isolation, God does something for you. It's in that season that he sets you up for that public ministry. And one of the things that I get asked all the time, especially by young church planners, is they'll ask me, like, okay, well, I, I want to have influence. I want to be able to speak in, in broad terms across, you know, whatever. And the thing that I always tell them is, like, those moments of, of isolation, those seasons of being on the backside of the desert is what God prepares or puts in you for public ministry. The second thing I would say is that in that season of isolation, don't just don't get frustrated about like your progress. Don't care about your progress. Just keep focusing on following Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you may not like every turn that you make. You might not like every path or every road that you go down, but you will like where you end up. You'll like the destination. That's and people good. are constantly can, checking. What's that? Yeah. Can, Sorry, can you can you talk more about that just for a moment before you move on about that the idea of the progress? 
because uh, I think people get caught up in that a lot. And, and oftentimes I think people don't think they are getting caught up in that uh, because they, they either call it fruit or, or something else. But can you talk about what it would look like to get caught up in the progress and, and how to not worry about that? Yeah. So there's two, I mean, there's two thoughts I have on that. Like one, and this is just kind of my own personal experience, but like, um, you know, when people talk about fruit, it is usually attached to numbers or it's usually attached to like levels yeah, of right. influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like properly uh, identifying what you mean by that, because, you know, we say, well, Lord, I just want to bear fruit. Is that like how many souls that you win? Like what, what does it exactly mean? I think you, you need to reorient your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to say, okay, what, what is, what is that fruit that he's really wanting me to have? You know, what, what are you wanting me to do? Because, um, I missed this in, a, in the live stream that we were doing a couple of weeks ago when someone asked me about success. You know, Lord hasn't called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. Yeah. Um, and so when you are monitoring your own progress, you never feel like that you're growing. Um, but like for those of you that are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like if you have been away from your parents for a long time and then you bring your grandkids or your, their grandkids over to their home, What's the first thing that they always say? Oh, you're getting so big. Look how big yeah, you're yeah. getting. <laughs> you know, you're sitting there looking at your kids every day, day in and day out, and you just, you don't see them, um, you know, the same way that the, the grandparents do. I mean, imagine mm -hmm. if, you know, Maverick came walking in and this 13-year-old arm, you know, just shot out of his body. <laughs> just like, it, it would just freak you out. I mean, it's just, just not normal. And a lot of times, one of the things that we're expecting is that kind of fruit. We're expecting, oh, I'm going to read this book, and then this 13-year-old mm. arm is going to shoot out. And that's not oh, how that's it works. Good. Yeah. You know, um, you read that book, and then you marinate on it, and then you walk it through, and then you deal with it, and you pray through it. And, you know, it may take you, you know, a year to get through that, but... The, the thing is, the little th the little steps right now that you do are going to multiply over the years. And the biggest thing, I think, is that people just, it's like that G.K. Chesterton uh, quote, it's like Christianity is not, you know, um, been found lacking. It's been tried and found, you know, to be too hard. Um, yeah. People have given up because, you know, it's, it's, it is hard to follow Jesus. His burden is light. His yoke is easy, but it can be hard. Um, and it can be difficult. And I think we, you know, we have to be honest about that. And I think when we are able to encourage, and that's why encouragement is so huge in the body of Christ, because we're able to encourage one another. Um, our progress is um, readily available and easy for other people to see. One of my favorite things to do is just tell people, hey, I'm proud of them. And I mean that, like it's an honest, hey, I'm proud of you. And I'll say it from time to time. I'll just text it, hey, proud of you. And I always have people text me back and they go, what did I do? What for? You know? <laughs> um, and it's always this idea of, you know, I don't know what they're into. I don't know what they're doing. You know, maybe they just got done having a, you know, fight with their spouse or whatever. And then they get a text from me, hey, I'm proud of you, you know? Um, but I mean it. And even though we don't see our own growth, other people see our own growth. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to encourage each other in that and encourage yeah. each other in the process. Yeah, that's really good. You know, it reminds me of, you know, when I when I was first coming into, uh, you know, relationship with you and you'd known me for a, a couple of years before I, I came in uh, and Andrew and I came in to 
be part of journey. And I, I realized at one point, like you'd never really heard me preach. You'd never really heard me do any of these key things that I had been taught my whole ministry career, my whole Christian life were the key indicators of somebody who's going to be good at ministry. And I remember I brought that up to you as kind of like a joke. And, and very seriously, you looked at me and you were like, yeah, but you know, you love Jesus and you love your wife, you lead your family well, you know, that's, that's really what I need to know about you. And, and that has set the tone, you know, in my mind for our relationship. And so those moments when I hear you say that to others, when I hear you say that to me, that I'm proud of you, that, that encouragement to be putting in, you know, to put courage into us in those moments. It's so powerful because it's taking the validation and acceptance and appreciation off of any actions or achievements and putting it solely on the character and like the substance of an individual. And I think going back to the original question that we that we had at the very beginning of this conversation about what makes uh, our church be able to thrive in that is that I think that that's something that we've always been pointed toward. We're not pointed toward uh, achievement in the way that that a lot of other folks would see achievement. And like you said, it's not about um, it's not about success. It's about faithfulness. And I think that that's uh, that's key because when we're we're focused on the substantive things. Uh, that's what we elevate. And I think that when we're elevating those things, that's attractional to people who are looking for something genuine and honest in a season where, you know, they, they can't trust what they're hearing uh, a lot of times on social media and people either telling them the worst case scenario or lying to their face and telling them all these great things that they know aren't true. Um, so I, I find that incredibly uh, encouraging personally. And I think that, um, you know, so, so with that, let's pivot toward uh, kind of one of my final thoughts that, that I had that I wanted to ask you about um, in this conversation is that what are some of the rhythms that we can be um, acting in? Well, I guess I'll phrase it this way in three parts. Um, what are some of the rhythms that you think that our church has had and that you've worked into our church before this pandemic? How are those rhythms taking root during this season and, and how can we expect them to look uh, kind of coming out of this? Well, it goes back to that group me conversation that we were having um, last night on the All Church Group Me. And, and that is like, you know, um, I think the, the question was around parenting and um, what does is, what is parenting look like and how do you lead your, your kids in prayer? And I think it was a, it was a fantastic question. And I think it was, was Pastor Dan. It was really, really proud of him, you know, cause there were, there was a season in his life when I was working this into him, you know, and really challenging him and this stuff. But the idea that, um, you know, you don't duplicate what you say, you duplicate who you are. And, yeah. um, you know, my wife and I, we try our hardest to be very warm people. Um, we mm. want to be very warm, hospitable and inviting people. Um, and that resonates, I think within our church, I, I have friends, um, that, they, you go to their church, and during um, a relational break, um, their their churches are great. I love their churches, um, but they don't. They they will not talk to you. Um, it's mm. cold. Um, we know we've talked about this before. We've been to churches together that feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we love going to HTB because it's just so warm and mm-hmm. inviting, and it has to be warm and inviting because of Alpha. Yeah. Um, we want our church to be warm and inviting. We want the church to be a part of the community. Several years ago, um, we had um, a guy that was mentally challenged in our church, and um, he 
would say things and do things that were um, just really, um, it, it just not not inappropriate um, in the sense, but just the timing wasn't right. You know, he would share something in the middle of a prayer, like I'd just start praying, and he would just talk right over the top of me. And mm. um, I, I just remember um, several people in our church getting very frustrated, and I remember the Lord um, talking and, and sharing some things with me during that season where it's like, you know, if you take care of the least of these, I'll bring you the most of these. Mm. And, um, you know, the idea that when we come out of this, I hope that we come out of this with a greater sense of compassion and a greater sense of empathy and a greater sense of courage and boldness that the gospel is more relevant than ever. Um, if that's even a thing, that we do have the opportunity to see the Holy Spirit do something significant and big in this season and beyond, and that um, there are reasons why we do what we do. You know, um, it is we we've built our church for seasons like these to get in and see the Holy Spirit work and move mightily, and you know, shape and change families and 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 really fireproof the. The family from a lot of what is going on in, in society and culture and to keep challenging people to give up certain parts of technology addiction and to go into isolation and to have a robust prayer life to forgive quickly to love their enemies all those things that are not popular all those things that rub our flesh the wrong way um, mm. and I, I know that this can seem idealistic but to some degree it's working um, and so we just want to see it keep working. We want to see God keep doing the things that we have started and just believe that he's going to bring them to fruition. And so, um, yeah, I think that as we lean into this next season and we come out of this next season, I think that people in our church are going to have a greater resiliency. I think that there's going to be um, a deeper sense of the call of God over their life when it comes to what their, what their purpose to do. And I think God's going to build a lot of people's faith. Um, and so I'm excited. I mean, I, I want to get out of this house, but I'm excited. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. All right, brother. Well, uh, I think we should probably wrap this one up. And uh, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you for having it and uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, brother. Have a good night, man. All right, you too. We are so glad that you were able to listen in to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that is happening, visit journeychurchtampa.com.